Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome into the Jeff Andreas Show here on Friday, February 14th. I hope you were having a lovely day. Yes, pun intended. Thanks so much for tuning in here on the Day of Love. If you have something you want to hear more about or have some burning questions you want answered or you just want to say hi, don't hesitate to contact me by email at jandreas at stingray.com or hit me up on Twitter, Jeffrey underscore Andreas. That's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y underscore A-N-D-R-E-A-S. I got a good show lined up here today in honor of the Day of Love. I'm going to be talking about money and just how open you should be with your significant other when it comes to your finances. What works for one couple may not work for another, but there are always going to be some money secrets that just aren't worth keeping. I'll be joined by the associate editor for Lowest Rates Jessica Vimero in a few short minutes. To kick off the back half of the show, I'll be talking about insolvency. Yes, Canadian consumers filed the largest number of insolvencies in almost a decade at the end of last year. According to stats released from the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy Canada, insolvencies totaled over 35,000 in the fourth quarter of last year, the largest quarterly increase since 2010. It also marks a 10.2% increase from the same time period in 2018. And, of course, when talking here specifically about us in British Columbia, while we were one of the provinces to surpass the national average with a 10.3% increase year over year. I will be joined by the expert senior vice president, Donna Mahalshin. She's a licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada. And we will be discussing this latest insolvency statistics and how you can be aware when things are becoming unmanageable. And to end off today's show, it is time for another edition of Friday Headlines. But to get things started, I wanted to go back to last week's announcement from the NDP government as it relates to ICBC. BC motorists are in line to see dramatic changes to their auto insurance and a 20% cut to premiums in May of 2021 under this new no-fault system that was announced last week. These are the largest ICBC reforms made in more than four decades as the Horgan government tries to put out that ICBC quote-unquote dumpster fire. The Trial Lawyers Association is not thrilled with the change, and I do still have some concerns about what happens to those who suffer major injuries and are stuck only with initial compensation that they will be granted, but... I am also all for lower rates as well, so I'm kind of caught in the middle. One group, though, that is meeting this news positively is the Doctors of BC. I caught up with the president, Dr. Kathleen Ross, earlier this week. So let me just start by asking you sort of on a general sense, I mean, what is Doctors of BC, like what is the initial reaction that is being had to these proposed changes to ICBC? Because I understand it is being met with some positivity. So, of course, as physicians, our priority is to ensure that our patients get the most uh, timely care and the best possible care. These latest changes certainly do mean that we have better coverage for people that are injured in an accident. Uh, and I'm hoping that we'll see, uh, you know, the right care at the right time. Um, so, uh, I mean... One of the things that has been talked about quite a bit is, uh, you know, getting the, the lawyers out of this whole situation, all right? That's how it's going to kind of save a lot of money. Um, so when you when you say it's going to give people the right care, I guess, you know, how, how do you view the changes um, that are being proposed here? How does it alter the care? Is it just a matter of, um, you know, coverage that people are getting? Like, just sort of what do you see as the benefits that are going to make this more ideal for, for patients? So in my opinion, I think this is going to be more patient-focused care. So it's putting the, the responsibility in the hands of the patients and their primary care provider to lead the care. Uh, we'll be able to refer directly to a number of services. 
uh, without having to apply uh, or request additional services from a third party. Okay, so um, I guess it does that essentially to me it sounds like you're taking out a lot of um, you know middleman work, a lot of administrative stuff, and and being able to um, you know cut out I guess some of that that third party involvement that might otherwise be there. That's correct. Okay, um, so I guess when you're talking about also in that perspective, I mean you're looking at better care hopefully as a result of this, but um, does this going to save quite a bit of time for you guys as well? I think the time to actually treat patients is, is not going to change. We will continue to see patients as required for their treatment. What, uh, as a practicing physician, I'm, I'm quite excited about is having more direct access to um, kinesiology, vocational training, rehabilitation services that, uh, that I can refer patients directly to when I need them. And in that regard, it certainly will be time-saving for patients. It may not change the time the patient needs to spend with the physician. Okay, that does make a little bit of sense. Um, one one other thing too that I have uh, heard is being looked at as a possible positive um, when we're moving lawyers from the situation. Um, you know, a lot of times that uh, when people are looking to you know sue uh, whether it be ICBC itself or whoever they were in uh, collision with, lawyers are are looking to get some tests done. You know, to to prove what injuries happened, and and so they're calling on doctors to do these tests for people that they can then present uh, those tests in court and I'm sure that those would take up a lot of time. I don't know what you have for data. I, I you know, when our, we had a little pre-chat before this, it was sort of like uh, not necessarily a ton of data available on how much time this could potentially save. Um, but is that just kind of anecdotally uh, something that you hear about or hear doctors dealing with a lot is these sort of testing for court purposes that um, maybe wouldn't necessarily be necessary for medical reasons, but is just needed for that legal battle. Do you, do you hear a lot of cases where maybe time is some what wasted, I guess, with, with those tests being done? So certainly uh, we don't have that data captured in any, in any way. The ICBC or the ministry may well track mm-hmm. those uh, data. But anecdotally, I have been asked in my own practice to provide additional tests, um, you know, to, to document injury for the sake of documenting injury and perhaps not necessarily uh, altering care plans. Mm-hmm. Those are by and large funded independently under the current system. But is is that like uh, something that you get a lot of? Do you ever feel like you're getting inundated with those kinds of requests, or is it you know it's no no big deal? So I think any time uh, that patient's care is complicated, uh, I think that it does take additional time. So the cases that you're referring to often are cases that patients may need a higher level of of service or may need additional care supports that under the current system we have to negotiate in order to access. And under the new system, there will definitely be a higher level of of medical care and enhanced supports available for recovery out of the gate, and we may see these requests disappear. That definitely sounds like something, at least, you know, from my opinion, that might save uh, doctors quite a bit of time and, you know, just able to to focus on those patients that actually are in need of medical care and not just in need of a a test to prove that they were, in fact, injured in some way, shape, or form. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, it sounds like uh, the the doctors of BC are meeting this news, these proposed changes with with positive uh, fanfare, and, you know, it doesn't sound like there's um, any two real concerns, I guess, about these changes from your perspective. Um, You know, any, any other big highlights that you took away from these proposed ICBC changes that you think will make a significant impact on the way people are treated or cared for or saving time? Is there any other highlights that you look at this proposed changes and, and, and want to point out? I definitely want to acknowledge that these changes do mean better coverage for patients that are injured in an accident. 
And of course, no system is ever going to be perfect out of the gate. Doctors of BC is going to continue to work with the government and ICBC to help work towards this new um, enhanced care model of care so that we can actually provide the best uh, for our patients. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Dr. Ross. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see if these changes do, in fact, uh, get passed. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye on it. And um, if, if it does indeed go through, it sounds like it'll be good news for the doctors at BC. So, so thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Much appreciated. Thank you. That was the president of Doctors of BC, Dr. Kathleen Ross. So there you go. There are some positives to take out of the changes. There are some negatives to auto insurance changes as well. It's up to you to decide where you stand on the issue. I'm still a proponent of bringing in private insurers, bringing in some competition. I think the ability to shop around for insurance options for your own coverage needs is a better way to go and, and stop trying to convince everyone that a money-losing corporation is a good thing to keep and maintain. But that is, of course, just my opinion. Everyone is subject to their own uh, no right or wrong answer necessarily. Coming up next. Next, spouses and money. How well do they mix? Well, that's going to be coming up next. I'll be chatting about love and finances. Should you ever keep financial secrets from your significant other? Well, stick around for more Jeff Andrea show after this. The voice of your community. Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back into the show here on Friday. It is February 14th. It is Valentine's Day, the day of love. But just how open should you be with your partner when talking about money? Well, finances are up there for one of the top reasons people do, in fact, get divorced. According to some data from financial firm TD Ameritrade, 41% of divorced Gen Xers and 29% of boomers say that their marriages ended due to disagreements about money. So clearly it is something that is an issue when talking about relationships. Here now to talk more about the issue is the associate editor for LoisRates.ca, Jessica Vomero. Jessica, thanks so much for coming on. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Perfect. So let's just start by talking about, you know, couples hiding money secrets from each other. You know, it's probably more common than most of us think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A more recent study by Credit Canada actually revealed that over 30% of respondents kept financial secrets from their partners. And now this can be a really big problem because, for example, every tenfold increase in consumer debt actually does increase the odds of divorce by 7%. The primary way that you can combat some of these issues is to be open and transparent about your finances with your partner. So when we're talking about being open, I guess, what exactly does that mean? Should they be aware of every dollar and cent that's going in and out of your bank account? Or just how, um, you know, how open should one be? Should people know everything? Or, you know, is there some things that maybe don't need to be run by each other all the time? Well, it really depends on a number of factors. I think primarily it depends on the stage you are at in your relationship. And it takes a while to get comfortable talking about something as sensitive as your personal finances. So I recommend starting small, maybe talking about salaries and saving habits right when you're at the beginning of your relationship. But if you're talking about making major life decisions together, then I personally do believe that you should know everything. Now, does that mean that you have to run every dollar you spend by your partner? Maybe not, but it does mean that you should have joint savings goals and joint spending goals so that you 
so that you're checking in with each other fairly regularly. Yeah, so anytime basically you're looking at some sort of major couple milestone, whether it be getting engaged or married or having a kid, something along those lines, those are probably the times to really uh, get down, sit together, and crunch the numbers of, of what you have because, uh, you know, those are the important times when, um, you know, you probably don't want to be hiding anything because if you keep some secrets and, and then those uh, big milestones do in fact happen, uh, that could potentially cause a big rift. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the example that you gave specifically, getting engaged, getting married, those things can be fairly expensive. So sitting down and talking about whether or not this is something we can afford to do right now is actually a very responsible way to approach it. And it allows you to make more responsible financial decisions throughout the rest of your life if you start off on the right foot. What do you just, what would you say to someone who maybe you know is having a, a difficult time when it comes to their finances? Maybe they find themselves in in quite a bit of debt or uh, you know they're, they're, they're dealing with a line of credit they just can't pay off whatever the case may be you know and, and it makes them really apprehensive to come forward and talk to their partner about just what they are dealing with. Um, you know just how important is it for those people to make sure they do come out and, and do a, a, a talk about what their issues are um, because those are some of the things that could I think really lead to a, to a big argument as if, uh, you know, someone is in more debt than the other person knew. And then, uh, you know, now they don't know how to deal with it, but they're sort of in this relationship in a, maybe a, a deeper spot than they would have been had they known about these underlying issues. Yeah, this is a great question, and it's something that I think a lot of people are probably dealing with right now. And unfortunately, when it comes to your finances and talking about these things with your partner, it's a situation where you really have to put your ego aside to be fair to both your partner and to yourself. Because if you're not on the same page regarding your personal finances, it's going to delay the choices that you make down the line. They may think that you're a year away from getting engaged, when in reality, you're five years away from getting engaged. And that's just not fair to either one of you to put yourselves in that situation. Yeah, and I'm guessing it's also fair to say that uh, when, when talking about the, you know how to go about budgeting with your partner, um, you know what works for one couple may in fact not work for another, right? So it's probably important to, to be open because if you're not, I mean... Um, who knows exactly where, where things could go? I mean, um, if, if, you're, if you're keeping secrets and, and just a matter of time probably before a lot of those things get found out. I mean, I don't know if you can speak to, to what you know or if there's any experiences you can draw on, but like, I mean, when, when people are keeping financial secrets, uh, how, how difficult are that to actually keep away from your partner forever? It seems like it would probably be something that is just a matter of time before it gets found out. You're absolutely right. It becomes very difficult as your relationship gets more serious to keep these things from your partner. And now every couple approaches this differently. Some people decide to have joint accounts. Some people decide to keep their accounts separate. Some people decide to sign up for a credit card together. Whatever your situation is, though, you... Un, you unavoidably wind up sharing some things and this generally is is better to share some finances even if you don't share everything but it's very difficult to keep these things from your partner and it can lead to a lot of distrust and resentment in your relationship and I know from experience like it took a little while for my partner and I to get comfortable having these conversations with each other but there's something that you should probably work up to as your relationship is getting more serious rather than dropping this bomb on your partner when you're three, four, five years into a serious relationship.
Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure there are some people out there, depending on how well you do deal with money, that those conversations will never really become comfortable. But it doesn't mean you should avoid having them because they definitely can uh, can can be a, a big factor in just how happy you are in a relationship. Do you have any sort of um, you know advice for people who may be just starting this process and and you know they're 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 together, they're looking to uh, take their their relationship to the next level? There's obviously, like I mentioned, there's nothing that's going to work across the board. What works for one couple may not work for another. So there's no you know blanket statement to say this is how you should go about managing your money but do you have maybe any advice just for people who are looking at taking that initial step and um you know should should it be like one of those um half my paycheck goes into my personal account and the other half into a joint account is that sort of one potential way that might be an ideal um uh, partnership or do you have any sort of uh, suggestions for people who are just sort of starting down this financial road with their uh, with their significant other yeah absolutely i think a really good way to start is to sit down and go over what both of you individually save and what you spend every month and try to hit try to set some targets that you can both try to hit together. Eventually, perhaps you can work towards a joint investment plan. And maybe you don't join your accounts right away, but you set a timeline for eventually creating a joint account or signing up for a credit card together down the future when you're both comfortable with that. But as long as you know what you're both spending and what you're both saving, then you have a clear path to eventually getting to that point. Does that make sense? I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, you know, to, to make sure people are aware of your financial goals is, um, I think that's key as well, not just exactly what your financial situation currently is, but to have some, some shareable goals as well is probably part of that partnership, right? To, to make sure you're both saving for uh, some sort of common goal, I think will make things a little bit easier. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what my partner and I did when we decided that we wanted to get more serious to right before we moved in together actually is we sat down and we looked at exactly what we were spending and what we were saving and before we joined any of our accounts together we decided to set some goals that we both wanted to hit in terms of how much money we were saving every month how much money we were investing every month and when we hit a certain goal then we decided all right we're ready to jump to the next level let's open a joint account let's set a goal to eventually buy property together and to work up to it in that well, Jessica, that uh, unfortunately does pretty much wrap up our time here. But thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk about this. I think, uh, you know, when we're talking about Valentine's Day and a day of love and uh, a day where a lot of people, I'm sure, might be getting proposed to this weekend, um, you know, these are the kinds of times where it's good to sit down and talk about your finances and, and make sure that, uh, you know, you are on the same page. Because if you're not, uh, you know, it's, it's not a good way to, to start your relationship. So thank you so much for coming on, Jessica. Really appreciate your time. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. That was Jessica Vimero with LoisRates.ca talking about being financially transparent with your partner. Definitely something that uh, you guys out there who are, you know, starting off that new relationship should be. And even if you are in a longer term relationship already, it's probably something that you should make sure both partners are aware of what's going on in terms of your money. But, uh, you know, maybe if you are in a, in a bad financial situation, don't talk about it today. Wait till tomorrow. Get the, get the good loving part out of the way tonight. And then uh, you can deal with the bad part tomorrow. Coming up next, I'm going to be talking about insolvency. That's going to be coming up after the break. So please stick around. opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back and thanks for tuning in with me here, Jeff Andreas, on this lovely Friday, Valentine's Day. 
getting set for a long weekend here as well. So some good stuff coming up here in the next few days. Last segment, we talked about keeping financial secrets from your loved one and why that's probably a bad idea. Well, now it's time to talk a little bit about bankruptcy. Uh, Canadian consumers filed the largest number of insolvencies in almost a decade at the end of last year. According to stats released from the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy Canada, people who are unable to pay down their debt totaled over 35000 in the fourth quarter of last year. That was the largest quarterly increase since 2010, and it marks a 10.2% increase from that same period in 2018. And when talking about us specifically here in BC, well, we were one of the few provinces to surpass that national average with a 10.3% increase year over year. Definitely not a significant move over top of that national average, but nonetheless still above average. I'm joined now to talk more about this by BDO Canada Limited Debt Help Expert and Senior Vice President Donna Mahalshin. Donna, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. So, first of all, I wanted to ask of if this increased rate in insolvencies is surprising. Like, we see household debt continuing to rise and get to those seemingly unmanageable levels for some. Um, it just feels like a symptom of that. I mean, was this increase in insolvencies almost unavoidable? Yeah, Jeff, I, yeah, I think it was. I think with every study that we've been reviewing lately and just what we're seeing here in our marketplace and, and across British Columbia, uh, yeah, it's just been a, a spiral waiting to happen. There's been uh, record levels of household debt. Uh, people are just able to get credit so easily, and so you got online shopping, people are buying. But more than that, there's been lots of issues that you're seeing, like the cost of our housing in British Columbia is pretty substantial. And so if lots of people pay the sunshine tax, for example, in the Okanagan and the Thompson area. So if you want to live in these areas, you tend to work for less, but you still got significant housing costs. Combine that with lots of medical issues that we're seeing today. Revenue Canada wants to be paid on their tax debt. Um, lots of job loss issues, divorce, matrimonial issues, and, and just not enough income. So I, I think it wasn't surprising to me that we're seeing that across the board. It's sad, but it's not surprising. And can you speak to maybe just how bad this is really getting? Because, I mean, it just seems these numbers, and when we're talking about people who are, you know, just having uh, an inability, I guess, really to pay down any sort of debt that they have, um, it just seems to be getting worse on, a, on an almost daily basis. Uh, just how bad is it now, I guess, compared to, um, you know, other times in our inner history here in Canada? Is it just sort of uh, getting to a point where it's almost worse than it's ever been? Uh, well, I've been around for a long time, so uh, I can remember back in the days um, in 2002, I remember when the interest rates were climbing and climbing and climbing, so it was very bad then. Back mm. in 2008 was exactly the same when we had the market crash there. Right. This was different, though, I think. I mean, now we're sitting 2019, 2020, um, and the government has done lots of stuff. I, they, you know, there's, there's jobs out there. The government's been pumping dollars into the economy. They've been trying to keep the interest rate low, but I think that's almost now to the detriment of our population because with that low interest rate, you have the ability to, to borrow. And so people do without thinking, you know, what's the outcome going to be if I all of a sudden can't work? And so now you're seeing significant drops in industry. Like I, in for a long time there, sort of from 2008 until even 2019, we were not seeing a lot of businesses getting into trouble. Today, 
I get a daily report of insolvencies across the country, and I am well shocked would be the word, I guess, to see the number of corporations that are filing receivership or bankruptcy. You know, retail industry, oil and gas, all of that. And, of course, that's got the drop-down tickle effect for people because you lose jobs. Now you don't have companies working in the country. And so it's just got that effect. So, yeah, it's, it's significant, I think. So with that in mind, um, you know, a lot of people will be trying to get themselves out of debt situations, whether it be for personal reasons or business reasons. You know, you're trying to, to climb your way out of debt, um, and, and sometimes it gets to a point where it is almost unmanageable and it almost becomes too late. So for those who are, you know, watching and keeping a close eye on, on their spending and, and on their finances, what are some of the warning signs that they can look out for in order to catch it really before it gets out of control? Because I think that's the biggest problem here, right, is people don't realize... Maybe they're going into as much debt as they are. They're not uh, prepared to or, or, or thinking that they're going to be someone dealing with, with uh, an insolvent situation. So what are those early warning signs that people and businesses can pay attention for? Well, great question. Uh, and there's certainly lots of them. And I think people and businesses pay attention to it. I think if, if I have no other bit of advice, it's that reach out for help even before you think you have a problem because people are willing to help you out for free. But, you know, just to have that first initial consult to answer some questions, I know we certainly always are. But warning signs, I think, you know, if you're skipping payments on any bills to pay other debts, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, if you're using credit to pay for your living expenses, like you're having to use a credit card to pay for groceries that you can't afford to pay the credit card back, if you're getting uh, calls from your creditors or collection agencies, once it's gone to a collection agency, that means that you're moving up the food chain in terms of collection. Um, if you're sitting at home feeling stressed and anxious, like that's, that's a real concern, that's a warning sign. If you are crossing the door of a payday loan company, that's a big warning sign that you've got an issue because once you're in there, it's a huge interest rate. And so really very, very, very difficult to get out because you're spending money before you've even made it. So, so those are some warning signs that, you know, if you're worried at all or any of those are happening to you, if you're not paying Revenue Canada, that's another very big one, and they have a very long reach in terms of what they can do. Those are just all good warning signs that say, hey, I got a problem, I need to reach out for some help. Yeah, yeah, and when we're talking about payday loan places, I mean, you say when you cross the door of one, that's a time to think about it, but probably if you're even considering using one, that's probably a sign that uh, you should probably be reaching out for help because, like you had mentioned, the interest rates there are, are not really something that a lot of people can take on, and then it just spirals and gets worse from there, so definitely yeah, something for point. people to be aware of. Yeah, don't cross the door. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, once it is becoming unmanageable, so those are some of the things to look out for and, and uh, you know, the, the signs that you are getting into trouble. But, I mean, sometimes you don't think about those things and then all of a sudden you look and you find yourself in a situation that you can't really climb out of. No one wants to claim bankruptcy, so what other options are out there? What should people do when they do find themselves in a situation or in a hole that they feel they can't dig their way out of? Well, I think the first thing is you need to really understand what your hole actually is. So sit down and add up your debts and make sure you're actually aware of how much you owe. Lots of times when I ask people how much do you owe, like on your credit card, they will say $13, and I'll go, well, that's the debt, and they say, no, that's the monthly payment. So it's very important that you know the total debt, how much do you owe on that car in total, how much do you owe on every credit card, overdrafts, et cetera, and add them all up. Make sure you have a household budget. And if you do review it 
weekly and monthly. Um, excuse me for a second. Yeah, sorry about that. <clears throat> yeah, no worries. That's okay. I have a cold, as I've explained. Um, there's also all sorts of resources. You know, internet solutions.bdo.ca. So you can certainly do that. <coughs> My apologies. <coughs> yeah, it's that um, time of year. It's just the cold season. Is. So unfortunately, <coughs> I mean that uh, it happened to me not too long ago, and it seems to be catching up to everyone else slowly but surely. So uh, yeah, I've already you, warned you. On yeah, this, yeah. No, you got my sympathy. I promise. <coughs> So I think the biggest thing is if you're feeling overwhelmed, reach out to somebody. Give us a call. We're willing to talk to you for free, as I said. There's lots of people out there that can help. Reach out and ask for help. Right on, Donna. Well, I'll let you go so you can uh, catch your breath here. Thank I you. really appreciate you taking the time to okay. come on and talk about this. It's definitely an important issue. So thank you so much, and, and we'll, we'll do thank it again in the future. Thank you very much. Awesome. Okay, take care. All right, that was Bye-bye. Donna Mahalshin, BDO Canada Limited Debt Help Expert. She's also the Senior Vice President and a Licensed Insolvency Trustee. Like she had mentioned, there are lots to kind of go over when talking about the concerns uh, about your debt and, and the fact that it can become unmanageable. Definitely something that people should be staying on top of. This goes back to the last segment as well when we were talking about secrets that you're keeping from your spouse when you're talking about your money. you got to be open with your with your significant other in order for you know that trust and that relationship to build. And if you are are finding yourself and if you're one of two people and you're worried about the debt you're climbing into and being unable to pay it down and you're becoming uh, someone who might file for an insolvency claim um, you know or, or look to an insolvency professional for help to climb out of that debt that you are dealing with uh, it's definitely something that you should probably be talking about with your partner and uh, you know maybe someone else that you have uh, you know another person that uh, you trust to be able to talk about what your financial situation is uh, it's always good to talk out these kinds of problems that's really the start I think right the first step, step to overcoming a problem is admitting that you have one, and then you can go from there. I think that's a, a nice little cliche that does apply to our money problems. It applies to a lot of things in life, and uh, definitely I think it applies in this situation as well. And like Donna was saying, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for people if you are feeling overwhelmed to go out and find some help. There are people who will help you for free. So you don't have to say, well, in order to get out of this debt, I have to climb into more debt in order to pay a professional to help me get out of the debt. No, that's not exactly how that works. So call an insolvency professional. Uh, let them know you have a problem, meet with them, and hopefully they can help come up with a, a plan that'll help get you out of that hole that you have dug yourself into. Um, and like Donna was saying, it's important to know what that hole looks like before trying to actually dig your way out of it. Um, not all holes are built the same. Some are ovals, some are circles, so it's important to know which one you're in. Coming up next, it's time for a little game called Friday Headlines to get you ready for the weekend. It is, of course, a Valentine's Day edition since we are sitting here on Friday, February 14th. And we got Family Day coming up on Monday, so this is all going to tie into some Friday headlines. I'll be back right after this with more Jeff Andrea Show. Listening to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the show here on Friday, February 14th. Thanks so much for listening and keeping your radios tuned here to Radio NL. Of course, it is, like I said, the 14th. That means it is Valentine's Day. And of course, it is Friday. So let's get set for a Friday, Valentine's Day edition of Friday Headlines. And now, Friday Headlines with Jeff Andreas. 
All right, I got Kurt Appleby sitting in with me here today. Kurt, how you doing? Yeah, good, Jeff. That's a fantastic intro, by the way. What a breaker. It's a lot better than the last one that I had up there a couple of weeks ago. That's for gosh darn sure. It was just, uh, oh, yeah, what was that again? <laughs> uh, we, don't, we don't need to bring it back up. I almost should have it just so I can replay it. But uh, no, it's actually too scary to even play. This is a day of love, not a day of fright so we'll save that for another time so like i said since it is valentine's day we're going to go through some random uh, v-day stats these are my little friday headlines here for the day so each stat's going to equal a headline so let's go through them let's do it all right so number one americans yes it is south of the border but it's still an applicable stat americans will spend 27 billion dollars for valentine's day this year and a lot of it is spent on well stuff people don't want last year we shelled out about nine and a half billion dollars for unwanted gifts. Kurt, does that surprise you at all? No, it, it doesn't. And what I'd also like to know is that, uh, yeah, those are the people receiving the gifts. Out of that $27 billion, how much was uh, spent? Billion. Yeah, did I not say billion? Yeah, Whatever. It, anyway. Um, how much was, was spent in resent? Sort of, why am I spending this? Why am I going out for a nice dinner here? Why am I buying all this chocolate and flowers? I don't want to. Right. They, we even heard there's a 33% chance that the person you're buying it for doesn't want it. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that's probably more so, not that they don't want a gift, it's that you feel the need to buy them something. Mm -hmm. So you go out and you buy them something because you feel the need to but it's not actually something maybe you even feel like you actually want to give them i think that's probably a big problem too i run into that at christmas sometimes where i'm like i gotta buy this person something but i don't have any clue what to get them and they're probably not going to want it by the time i actually buy it yeah it sounds like the the gift that you got me at christmas hey i don't remember what it was but i'm sure it was lovely <laughs> all right let's go on to another headline here it's time for a new headline. All right. On average, 9 million people propose on Valentine's Day each year, and roughly 1 million Facebook users will change their relationship status over the next few days. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, okay, let's talk about uh, that part, the Facebook part. I mean, are you, uh, you're not in a relationship right now, I don't believe, eh, Kurt? No. You're a single guy. This is important for people to know. So if you're listening, uh, there's some opportunity here in this building. I just want you to know that. All right. So, um, <laughs> so uh, 1 million Facebook users will change their relationship status over the next few days, which probably means tonight they're going to find themselves uh, an, another person to uh, start dating over mm -hmm. the course of this weekend. Um, are you hoping to be one of those guys that changes your Facebook status this weekend? No, no, not not tonight, uh, not tomorrow. You kind of wait till after Valentine's Day, so you don't have sort of that awkward like, okay, well we've been together for a couple days, a couple weeks. I'm not really sure where to go about this. She's probably still screening your calls and texts. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really actually not big on just changing your status at all. Uh, I don't think it's really anybody's business unless the other person that you're with is like adamant that if you don't uh, change that relationship status from single to in a relationship that you're going to be in some sort of trouble unless that's the situation you find yourself in. Um, I don't think it's really that important to change it at all. But I, I just don't think I would if somebody got mad at me because I didn't change my Facebook status. That's not something that it doesn't sound like a person that I'd want to deal with. And let's go back to the other part of this headline as well. One, nine million people across the U.S. will propose on Valentine's Day. What are your thoughts on a Valentine's Day proposal? Cheesy? Cool? What do you think? Yeah, it's as cheesy as they come. Yeah, I think it's a little bit cheap. It's a little bit easy. It's uh, almost a little bit expected. It's uh, there, There's several times a year that are basically the... the times people expect to be proposed to. That's Valentine's Day, whatever date your anniversary is or whatever, mm -hmm. and uh, Christmas. 
Those are always the days where people are always getting engaged. That's so, you're like you're just setting yourself up for disappointment if if if, it, if you don't get the answer that you're looking for. Well, and 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 it's just like so cliche. It's uh, I don't know. I, I like how, to do things different. I like to be original when I can. Yeah, I wonder how many people propose with the hopes of getting said no to, and that that will uh, eventually lead to the breakup of a relationship. Like that could be a way to get out of the relationship <laughs> is to propose. That is a risky way to try and get out of a relationship. You're either out of it or you're in it for life. That is a uh, <laughs> that's that's something. All right, let's let's move on. We got a couple Please. more to get through. It's time for a new headline. Okay, so there is a, a 33% spike in online dating in the two weeks leading up to Valentine's Day. And the average online dater spends, get this, six hours a week looking for love. That's about 51 minutes a day. <laughs> that is a lot of uh, swiping right and left. <laughs> and I've seen you super swiping. I don't think there's enough... Uh, talent in the in the region to, to last 51 minutes of super swiping here. Okay, you're undercutting <laughs> Kamloops a little bit here. Uh, no, there's some there's, there's some people out there. Yeah, but there's just not that much volume, right? Well, like, I'm, I'm not, not saying anything bad about the people here, but I'm just saying there's just there's not that many people that you could just go, nah, 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 nah. I get what you're saying. Well, apparently over the last 14 days, there's been a 33% increase in the number of people on those sites. So, I mean, this is the opportune time yeah. to look for it right now. Yeah, for sure. I guess people want to add to that $27 billion. Yeah. Well, hey, you got to buy a gift for somebody. You might as well get them something they don't want. All right. Let's <laughs> move on. We got a couple minutes left, so we'll, uh, we'll wrap this thing up here. It's time for a new headline. Okay, so let's, uh, young people are not huge fans of Valentine's Day in general. 15% of people in Generation Z don't think of today as an actual holiday. Me neither. And of those who do celebrate, 25% would cancel it if they could. Kurt, would you cancel Valentine's Day if you could? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just not a fan of Hallmark holidays. Um, Valentine's Day, what's another one? Um... Uh, what are some other ones? I don't. I, I should know yeah. some answers off the top of my head. But, I feel like uh, this is something I should know off the top of my head. But Valentine's Day is a big. Um, it's a, it's uh, criminal. I don't know. It's the biggest one. It's the biggest made-up day in history, right? Like people spend a ton of money on this day because someone out there decided February fourteenth is a day of love, and uh, they just decided for everybody else. Where was everybody else when it came to this decision? Why didn't we get to to have a say yeah. in what day is the day we should be celebrating our love for each other? Christmas is that a hallmark? holiday now? Has it become um, too commercialized? I feel like it has. I love spending time with my family. Um, but just when the pressure of, of buying gifts and, and then the awkwardness of getting gifts that you're like, what am I going to do with this bowling ball? Like, you're going to go bowling. That's what you're going to do with that bowling ball. <laughs> you're going to become a bowler. Yeah, okay. So for my personal opinion on this, um, I'm not a big fan of Valentine's Day. I don't think of it as a real holiday. And I probably would also cancel it if I could, but I'm also a single dude, so maybe I just have a little resentment in my life right now. And I was going to say that's exactly where people <laughs> listening to us right now are thinking. These are just a couple of loners with nothing in their lives. Well, with that said, I hope everyone out there is ready for some uh, good Valentine's Day fun today. If you have yourself uh, a significant other that you can spend some time with and share the day with, then uh, I'm all for it. Good for you. Go do it and uh, enjoy. Uh, did you know this? The average person spends about $700 on their first Valentine's Day with somebody. Isn't that insane? Uh, I am not the average person then. No, I, I don't know where I got that stat from. I read it a couple of days ago and uh, I just, it blew me away. That seemed like way too much money and obviously that's people probably in their uh, midlife crisis relationship that are have that much money to spend yeah. on, on one single day in a new relationship. That's how much I'm spending going to Arizona. I would way rather... <laughs>
way rather. Yeah, well, I'm jealous. I want to go to Arizona, but let's wrap this thing up. I got 20 seconds, so this has been Friday Headlines. Friday Headlines with Jeff Andreas. All right, thanks for coming in, Kurt. Appreciate it. Anytime, brother, anytime. All right, well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me, and a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. I'll be back here on Tuesday at 9. Enjoy your long weekend.